0: Love
1: Talk Radio Brackets were destroyed And the big dogs fell hard Somebody got some explaining to do, Lucy
0: Love Talk talk, Radio This thing right here Is for my peoples in the
2: (laughs)
1: streets Yes, yes, today Yes, yes, today you know, as we start to show this one mic <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>
0: there.
2: <laughs> there is a pause Throughout the stadium As this man sounds like He just coughs up a lung Just looking around The jumbled rod Shows and pans the cheerleaders And as it glows down Into his face each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost
1: it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, you know, I just told this one, Mike. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe
0: life back in the shack. and you can do that. You
1: know, people talk a lot about <laughs> this. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic.
3: Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: yes. The, 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 the author of that voice that's gone legendary, the Game Changer, will be joining us later tonight. On the cipher, look forward to hearing his uh, uh, his thoughts on what's been going on here uh, in uh, the March Madness, which has just turned to madness. Uh, it's going to be crazy. So this is going to be a hot show. You know, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. All the things that have gone down. The big boys fell hard. Yes, brackets were destroyed. All you all you heard is all you heard is all kinds of stuff. People get at that's what people are doing to their brackets. They crumbling it up they crumbling it up and tearing their brackets up, and we're going to talk about why it happened. Welcome to RSG One Mike, you know, one part of our amazing platform of uh, podcasts. This is a show where, you know, we spend a little bit more time on the topic, you know, what topic is there to talk about other than Mark's badness. Um, you know, we kind of open up with some other stuff, but that's going to be the main topic for us tonight. So if you stick with us later on as you're listening, uh, we got a lot of hot stuff, so stay with us. Uh, if you want to follow us, please check us out on all uh, platforms, Real Sports Guys. Uh, we're on uh, all the podcasts. Uh, please check us out, like us, give us feedback. We love to hear from you. Uh, we're happy that you're on this journey with us, um, that you allow us to be part of your life. we got all kinds of announcements to, to really push this stuff. You know, all callers and the hosts are, are brought to you by our good friends over there, Carbon World Health, complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty Go to carbonwellhealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guys sent you. And along with Carbon World Health, our, our segment and our RSG Turning Challenge, for those folks in there, you know, uh, it's been a great time. Our sponsor, uh, also sponsor, is uh, Orange Street uh, Storehouse. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, the place where uh, they take it from their door, their door, to your door orange street storehouse offers you the highest quality gourmet coffee and tea to enjoy in the comforts of your home with your family and your friends go to orangestreetstorehouse.com for all your high quality gourmet coffee and tea they got a great package for us for our personal wins uh you know uh michelle capes was on with us last week uh, she got some stuff in the mail you know, uh uh, uh uh my man Hank was talking about the stuff, so she's gonna send it to me in mail. We're gonna try and get some over to Hank. You know, we the RSG guys are gonna be drinking tea, coffee. We're gonna we're gonna we gonna be getting with it. We're gonna tell you show you that we got a little bit of sophistication. But you know I can't go further. Now, you know, every week we got the best pick and roll in the, in, in the game when it comes to talk sports radio. That one, two punch and you know I got to bring him on. He likes to him along. He finishes. He slaps glass, he hunks, He does all that stuff. It's my man Hank Davis. How you doing, Hank?
2: I'm doing well, D. You know what? This has been an amazing week. It's it's, it's just so funny how we we what we talked about last week about can't trust yes. him and everything. And uh we come in, you know, we, we come into this week, you know, and I I we just got to talk about the big boys. The big boys going against these these unknowns, these unknowns. And only one thing, D, one thing kept coming to my mind. That's all I kept thinking about, man. No matter what was going on, you know, it was like, it just, it, it, regardless of, it was like we, we just knew we was just going to be watching all of this great basketball and all of this stuff. But every time it come around.
0: It. Down goes crazy
2: I mean that's what I can, that that's what it was. Time and time again with all these number ones. So we got a lot to talk about tonight, boss.
1: Man, this we're talking about it's already on fire. Man, the look fresh, the agony of the feet, the can't trust it list is hotter than ever. We got some new additions to it. We're gonna have game changer on here later on, Auburn, this perspective. You know that's gonna be crazy. We got game changer and Hank in the house. Later on in this production, it's going to be off the chain. So we are excited about it. You know, uh, we always start an opening mic. We try to take a little broader look at some of the things that we are in sports. Um, I didn't put this on a because It just came out so late. I'm riding home hearing uh, uh, our man Jalen Rose talk about this. And I heard some other stuff. It. What's up with Big Baby? What's <laughs> up with the, What are you Doing so. If you haven't heard, so Big Baby is in the dfb area, in a hotel, in a Hampton, I believe Hampton, inn um, and uh, the hotel staff came by the room, smelled some funny stuff in there, some marijuana, or something like that. Knocked at the door, I guess he yelled at the customer. They called the police. Police comes in, they find some stuff in there. Plus, he has like ninety something thousand dollars. So then he does his insta. So he's arrested. He does his Instagram post with him on this small plane, looking like he's scrunched up in there. Like it, it would have been just better to find commercial in first class, but he probably could have all the extra stuff in commercial and first class. And he's got the money open, and it's small bills, but it ain't even big bills. There's a whole bunch we could talk about that. Eating some Popeyes chicken, and he just lays out this whole thing about how they try to come after him and he does all this stuff. And then he ends the, the diatribe with saying Popeye's ticket. I guess it's a classic. So it's like cats can't get out the way. And it's like, baby, I thought you had it better than that. Like, what are we, what are we doing? And why are we, why are you rebutting on Instagram? That's sometimes when you're just costing yourself more money, you retired. You still need to figure out how to create business deals. With like, how are people going to work with you when you got that? Even if you're innocent or not, that doesn't help you. There's nobody who watched that Instagram that's going to think you're doing all right. Man, I'm, Hank, I don't know what's up with these youngins, man. You
2: know what? I tell you, man, they, they grow up too fast, and I know that might sound crazy. But how long has Big Baby been out the league now?
1: It can't be much a year or so because he was with, uh, what, he was with, uh, 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 Los Angeles for a while. He moved around, yeah. I think, but I think they from Los Angeles. He was doing some stuff. So he ain't like he's been out that long.
2: He ain't been out that long. Um, the league is changing. You know, his style of basketball is, is, is a fleeting style. He's only 32 years old. And yeah. unfortunately for some of these young cats, you know, they, they don't take care of their money. they they, they flamboyant because they're in the league. Next thing you know, they start doing some crazy stuff is to make a little bit of change. And, and, and the immaturity absolutely comes out. And this is what happens. You know, it's a story that's just oh so oh so familiar. And it, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. You know, now you're sitting yeah. around here and you look like a big, a big idiot. So it's like, so, you know, what, what, what really is going on? Like you said, it, it would be funny. But at 32 years old, you know, you still got the rest of your life. You should be able to, you know, a parlay your NBA career into something that would be still more lucrative to you, but you go back to your old haunts, and yet there, and then, and then there you are. You know the the cash and the amount of um, um, uh, marijuana they, that they caught it with, and the Instagram, all this stuff is just signs of immaturity. And again, you know, you get tired of hearing this from your from your athletes. It's like, really, you got an opportunity that that most most kids will never get, or never see. And you squander it. This is why you see, you know, just your average Joe. Like they don't, they don't care because these guys don't, you know, they don't care about how these athletes are. You, you have a hard time garnering sympathy for them because it's like you made it to the big time, and now here you are just doing whatever. And 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 then you 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 really make it look even worse with the Instagram. You know, it. it like I said, to me, I, I kind of get sick of hearing these stories with these young athletes. But there it is again.
1: Yeah, and, and part of the life, I mean, you think about someone like Jalen, you know, um, who, you know made pretty good money, had some success in the league, been to the finals, did all this stuff. But you have to argue, like, he took his life to another level post, uh, you know, uh, uh, post-playing life. And someone like Big Babies had a good personality. He's the kind of guy that you, you could see being on the set of, of one of these networks. And, do and so you're always auditioning. And in fact, I mean, think about someone like Mike Golan, who, you know, was, you know, a, a journeyman lineman, was good, played on a great defense, was a solid uh, uh, contributor to that defense, you know, had a solid professional career, but think, think about where he's been now post-career and the kind of opportunities and money and effort he's having post-career um, because he was preparing himself for that post-career stuff and has an insight to the locker room and situations because he was there from a perspective of someone who plays started, but wasn't a star, but been around stars. I mean, so I think big baby is the kind of person that has that potential. And how much are you losing from the earning power standpoint on some short money when you had the potential to be making it the personality? It's a big baby. I mean, I can see you want to set up TNT or one of these places doing it. If, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like not even thinking about how that's costing you opportunities for this instant moment of fame and opportunity that is right. not going to repay you. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And you know, the thing about it that makes it look bad if you, have, if you haven't had the opportunity just to look at the story. He's got a ledger. He's got, he's got customers. You know, so, he, so this is something that you just, this ain't no impulse. This ain't something that you've uh, decided to do overnight. You've got this thing so much planned out. And that's what's really unfortunate, you know, because it looks like you've been doing this now since you've been out of the league and maybe even before. And whether you have or not, that speculation is there. And so a good prosecutor is going to try to hang you. No, for, for no other reason, it's because of your name. And as you just stated, this is, this is um, you know, a high risk, high reward. But, you know, the risk that he's taken, the the opportunity that he had to really, you know, again, parlay himself into something else, like you said, like a Jalen Rose or even a Chris Webber, any of these other former ex- athletes, you know, there's always room for them to call you to give your commentary. But now you've put yourself into a situation that any future earnings you have with the league, you're pretty much separate with this. And that's the sad thing about this.
1: That's the sad thing about it. And so, you know, these are things that come up in the midst of our time. <laughs> we post the rundown and come in these things pop up. But they're in our window, window window of kind of the framework of things we talk about All real guys, the intersection between society, life, um, you know, particularly when it comes to some of these men of color who – you know, this is your opportunity. You are having an opportunity to have an impact on some of these young folks by what you do post game, post life, and squandering. When you have a platform, you're not like this cat, cats who don't have a platform. You know, you have a platform. You have people allowing you to get on. You know, even Jalen and Jacoby were saying that. You know, he's a regular on there, uh, uh, on their podcast. So people are giving you space and time. They can't keep doing it. They, they can't have you taking their stuff down, and that line of work you chose when you got other opportunities. You ain't somebody hustling in the street that you got to do that. So it, there's a whole bunch of problems with this decision-making problem. But that's part of what you said before about people growing up. People not This is why I tell people where the social capital piece, when we talk about developing policies for student athletes, is not just about paying people. And that's why I always argue with folks about, I think these students need to get resources need to get resources, but resources without information, strategy, and understanding are just resources. And I'm not just saying that for athletes, but when you, when you are a first-generation college student where you didn't talk about these things at your dinner table, you know, you know I, I got a lot of years of higher education. And these are things that I'm learning. And, you know, it's it, it, it's it's about getting out of poverty and getting out of, 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 of economic circumstances that – um that is more about information and resources, because resources and all this stuff without information and strategy is just something that's going to be messed up. And right. that's the thing that people have to understand. We we need to be understanding. Policies need to talk about building capacity and people's social capital. That's how these policies need to be developed, because without that, then people make decisions all like this stuff, because they they don't they don't understand they really don't understand the game. Right, so we'll move on. There's a couple of things I want to hit, uh so I might freestyle a little bit because I know we put some stuff in a rundown, but this kind of got me going in a couple of different directions. But let's talk a little bit about NFL, and you and I'll get into this much deeper here in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the draft, start breaking some things down. But some moves have been made lately, and so one of the things that was made is the Jets moved up um to try to position themselves to get you know in. The reports are that they're comfortable with at least three of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. They're hoping they'll be able to get that quarterback they're looking for. Um, in your opinion, was this the right move? You perceive somebody probably moving into that second spot. Um, you know, this is an organization along with Cleveland that is trying to turn the corner. You know, what were you thinking about when you heard about the move about the Jets moving up? Listen,
2: with the Jets, they have not had the best of luck. With quarterbacks, you know, you could almost argue that they haven't had a good quarterback since Joe Namath. Um, that's that's being a little facetious, but if you want to throw uh, 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 Sanchez in there, or, or or Todd, or any of those other ones, but it hasn't netted the, the, the Jets anything. Anything. What we think we know about the NFL is this, and <clears throat> nothing else is a copycat league. There's two quarterbacks at the top of that draft. If you think about if you if you listen to the experts, your Sam Darnold's, your Baker Mayfield's, that you're hoping it can be franchise-changing quarterbacks, and so with what, with the rest of what the Jets have got, they got off to a pretty slow start, then they started to pick it up a little bit, but um, this is what you're seeing teams do now, D. It's like when they look up and they again, this conversation we had last week. You look at it when you're seeing what you have with teams that's making it to the Super Bowl, or the teams that made a push. Okay, uh, when you, and you're looking more or less at the at the at the Rams with Jared Goff. You're looking at Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, also with the backup quarterbacks. But those guys got those teams in positions in about two years. I see the Jets seeing that, and I see uh, Cleveland trying to do the same thing. It's a it's a gamble right now. We're just gonna to have to pay attention. I, I don't think that when you, when you're looking at you've got quarterbacks now that uh, that that's coming out of college. And Baker Mayfield that's that's a senior. Uh, Sam Darnold right now, who to me is questionable. But even the young man that they're talking about out in Wyoming, that's supposed to be pro ready. These teams aren't gonna risk it because they want to try to get a win now. They want to get their franchise quarterback in play. And, and, and move as quickly as possible And I think what you saw with the Jacksonvilles And with, again, with Minnesota And what you saw with Philadelphia And the, and the Rams like This is this is the move they're making They're not going to sit there and try to do the Tom Brady They're not trying to take the Tom Brady route You know um, You have some experts saying That this quarterback class could be potentially As good as the one back in 83 When you had Kelly and Marino That stands to read That's, we, That still remains to be seen But they, to me, it's rather expensive on a crapshoot. It, it always is to me. They're giving up two picks uh, to move up in the round. But um, um, for the Jets, a team that's really not had a whole lot to to cheer about, um, uh, I, I I I I guess if you ask the question, is it is it is it the right move or not? We'll wait. We'll see. You know, out where they are and where they are in the division, it's the best time as any to try to make that move. Tom Brady. You know, in his latter later years, they might as well go ahead and try to get their franchise
1: quarterback now. Yeah, so they basically swapped with Indianapolis um, and uh, gave up, I think, three second rounders. Um, you know, I think they were competitive. They had that run with Chad Pennington, um, uh, they had Tessa Verde. Um, they kind of went far in their Sanchez. They had a run there when they were being competitive in that space, and they've been in search of a quarterback you know, ever since, um, at that point, you can argue, you know, the three-second round draft choices, you know, might not be as bad to get the right player, you know, uh, at that spot. Um, you know, there's potential of someone moving up there towards two, um, at that point. And so, you know, you got to watch for it, but, you know, if they're okay with one of those three quarterbacks, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, can't, you know, spare money, uh, you know, definitely uh, doesn't help you if, you, if, you know, if you're first to get the If you're not going to be someone who's actually going to get out there and try and make some moves, then, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, lose out on some opportunities. And I think after looking at what happened with Winston, some of these guys, these young guys, even Jared Goff, you know, when you get uh, the coaching, right, coaching around some of these players and what they see seeing some of the success in the formula with, with some of this stuff, um, you know, I think – you're seeing people understand, you know, that, you know, they can, they can, they can take a chance, but, but part of it is coming down to having the right support system around, um, you know, these, you know, these players, you can't just, um, you know, um, you know, try to just make these moves without having the right support system. So you got to have a plan for the players. you got, to, you have a plan for them. Um, I think the teams that have been successful, have real quick plans, and their plans are long-term. They're not short-term. You know, even in the case of wins and some of these guys, these are these are these are developing offenses to allow them to be successful right away, but it's still developmental in that process. And they're expanding, adding more on, depending on where they're at, you know, as they go. Um, and and so, you know, I'm always saying, you know, if you don't have a plan then you can, you can be as cool as you want to be. You can be as aggressive as you want to be. You're you, you just Cleveland. You're just Cleveland. So, um, <laughs> so then we got we to talk about, like, the favorite move, but But it's the most and it's okay to see them go to Denver. Elway, who was one, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and, and ironically had trouble finding the quarterback. Um, and – Father gets paid talks about this is the person they want to do, and then calls him the wrong name when he introduces him. Elway just can't get a break. Elway is like the football version right now, like Dita. It's like he started out hot. a <laughs> he's back. People question his moves. I, I think Elway's a smart guy. But uh, it make you may question, but I still think that's a good move for Denver. Are there any moves that you've seen? being you know, around the kind of that 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 make you you know feel good like okay this team is really getting their act together.
2: You know what? When I think about this, you know, Case Keenum is he a product of the the environment, or is he still a journeyman quarterback? Um, when I think about this move, because we talked about this a little bit last week as well. You know, and you're right about John Elway. It's clear to me that he is really living on the fumes of what was once Peyton Manning, okay? That team won with an incredible defense in Peyton Manning's name. And he really hasn't done a good job of really identifying his next quarterback, all right? And that's a problem. Now, he goes and gets Case Keenum, and that seems like an easy fix, and they can always say, oh, well, you know, he got them within a game of the Super Bowl. But see, everybody, when Case Keenum came into to play, the people so they, they, they quickly forget how, you know, they had wrote the Minnesota Vikings off once Bradford got hurt. They were like, well, that season's over. That team would be great if they had a quarterback. So now he's going to a new team. He, he's done well. a lot of these quarterbacks do, a lot of these backups do. He's parlayed uh, a, a handful of games into a big contract with another team. It remains to be seen. I got to say this, though, and I don't know if they'll ever do it at Denver, but if Case Keenum uh, crashes and burns, when are they going to start looking at John Elway and say, look, you really haven't done you, – you, 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 you took over a team with a decent defense – you know, uh, and 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 with with Peyton Manning, you turn that into a Super Bowl against an immature Carolina team, and now all of a sudden, what have you? That we said last week. What have you done for me lately? What mm-hmm. have you done for me lately? This is, I I think that if he crashes and burns, you got to start looking at Elway because he he has not done a good job. Look look at that resume of quarterbacks that's come after after Manning. All right. You could probably get you, me, a game changer, and we'll probably make it look better than what he's got right now. <laughs> Think about it. None of those quarterbacks have worked out. We laughed about this on on one of our shows a, a couple of years ago. The quarterback from a uh, Trevor Simeon, right, and, yep. and the young man from um, uh, from, from from what did I say, not Kansas, Kansas State, uh, but yep. uh, Memphis, Memphis, just not good. Yep. Just not good. You know, not even worth mentioning the name right now. You know, we ain't, we ain't got time for all of that. But the point is, he's not doing a good job with the quarterback position, position there. And it's got watching that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you know, and they're not presenting him with the same defense. Khalid was gone. We got some other top defensive players. So you don't know. I mean, if he going to be decent, you don't know if it's the same defense. Um, right. They haven't established... You know if they had that running game going. They got to have a running game with them. There's still a lot of question marks um, about where they are offensively. I, I think mm-hmm. there's some work for them uh, to to um, uh, do here. But I think you know he, you know, th- this is a key move for him because he, you know, I mean, I think you have the right in This is a key move for him, and if he doesn't nail this. There's going to be a lot of questions, right? I think you, you're right on. There's going to be a lot of questions for him, um, on you know whether or not you know he he he's who we thought he was, and I think that's going to be um, you know one of the challenges. And I think he's a smart guy, but sometimes you outthink the room. Um, sometimes smart guys like that can outthink the room. You know, I don't know how much say his football guys have in you know the professional. Um, Scouts and the people have because you know you know he's a great he was a coach on the field right and so to, he knows football but there's something about being a professional scout there's an objectivity you have there's a distance you put on yourself and I don't know to what that how that dynamic is playing when it comes to some of these offensive players where I think on defense I think he's a little bit more open to listening to probably to the team and they've had a lot of success on acquiring defensive guys. Whereas I think on offense, um, you know, he's going to probably be a little bit more dominant and sure of himself about what they need to do, especially with our Q, uh, Kubiak there, right? Um, right. To be able to help manage that process, right? And so I think that's part of the challenge that he's going to have to have. And, you know, and when you're the president, there's a whole bunch of things you got to do, including personnel, so, to what extent do you get to the point where you get somebody who can just lead that and who can consult you, and you set the vision for the organization? So, there's a lot of that stuff that has to be decided that takes reflection and takes your you gotta take your ego out of the way for you to get to where you want. Um, you can do that. I mean, it wasn't hard to make decisions with the championship level defense they had before. You know, you can put a hurt back. Take manning in there, or nine touchdowns in the football. So now you got a defense that might not be quite at the top. You got a division that's getting stronger. Um, right. You know, you're not going to just be dominating that division w- with some quarterbacks who can play. So, you know, even though Kansas City is a young quarterback, he can sling it around. Um, and now you got Gruden out there running things in Oakland. Um, and you, so I think there's the gap is closing. Plus you got all the other stuff happening all over the, a- the AFC um, that are going to be challenged to Denver. So I mean, you're right. This is this is a critical year for LA to demonstrate that they're bouncing back. Do they have to win the Super Bowl? No, but they got to be highly competitive. They got to be in the top four in the AFC. You know, that's that's right. probably where, you know, he was expecting to be. Um, so that's something he's going to have to, you know, kind of work. With. Um there's been a lot of chatter, man, in the NBA. I've been noticing. I was caught this other day. I kind of put them up. I look because I look in the standings. we were going talk. I'm like, man, Portland is up there in the West, and you know, I'm, I'm a Dame Dollar fan, and I like them the, the way Portland's going. And and there was a lot of debate about whether or not I was listening to a conversation with their play-by-play analyst on whether or not they are for real. Out west, but I like them. I mean, they they battled Golden State as much as they could in last year's playoffs. They got a lot of swagger, you know, and they got some. They got a really strong backcourt, and they, you know, they got um, uh, you know a, a, a good young big man uh, up front, and they got some. They got some talent across that roster. Um, what do you think about the Trailblazers? This might be something we might even want to you know ask Jane Changer, who is our team NBA analyst, uh, when he gets on before we get into the the college basketball, but, um, you know, they've been talking about teams like Toronto and Portland, but Portland never comes up with the conversations, even though they're always hanging around. Have you had a chance to even check them out?
2: I have, but, you know, we talked about them a couple of years ago when they made that, when they they really was, uh, they pushed Golden State, when Golden State had had set the uh, single-season winning record, most games won that the Portland really pushed them. And people were wondering, we were having a conversation, is Is this the next team to keep your eye on? A lot of talent on that young team. And now they're starting to they're starting to come around a little bit. I think it was a little bit disappointing last year. I think, without, I, think I, for one, was expecting a little bit more from them. But where they are right now uh, in the West, it shouldn't be no surprise. You know, they had talent on that team. They needed to develop it. They did a good job there. And as you said, you got a nice big man in there. The problem that I have though, D, is I've become very, very, very skeptical of the regular season. You know, um, yeah. especially with these teams. Uh, now you can we could always make the argument right now with the injuries that's happened, that's fallen on Golden State, and just how well Houston has played in the West. That uh, you you have to look at Houston right now if everything were the stay the same today, to be the favorite to come out of the West. But that being said. Uh, Portland is one of those teams that uh, will scare the daylights out of you. They do have talent. They they do have a way to push you. Um, they are a team, as you stated. Uh, not enough people are talking about, you know. But that's because you just had so much of fluff and circumstance in in the in the West when you had all the movement and all the superstars going to Oklahoma City with uh, Carmelo and George, and then you and then you have a uh, uh, Paul going to Houston to, to to play with Harden, and then you also have the Super Team and Golden State. Portland just kind of likes played under the radar, which is good for them, you know. And they're in a comfortable spot right there, in the, in the third third spot in the in the West. You know, they'll get the they'll get a home court, you know, at home to start the playoffs. That's great for them, you know. So uh, their team is going to be dangerous in a second or a third round, uh, in, in a second round uh, series. So, yeah, that's a team, they, they, they're they going to push somebody. So, if somebody gets hurt or somebody's not playing well, um, all of a sudden you're looking at Portland out
1: there. Yeah, and they won 13 straight. Um, both Sports Illustrated and CBS have them at number one in their power rankings. ESPN has them at uh, number four in the power rankings. So, you know, they're beginning, when you think about, you know, a lot of these rankings when they're talking about the quality, you're looking at efficiency and stuff, particularly on offense and defense, and you look at the combination of those. I mean, they're playing on both ends of the court. Um, you know they can give it to you offensively, but they're also making a commitment defensively.
2: And, 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 and
1: Terry Stock is a, is a great coach. Um, yeah. And, um, and um, has a way of corralling. It just took him a minute to kind of get the pieces going together. But he's a great – he makes great adjustments. He can connect with his players. He can build in the toughness, and he's got his superstars leading. So, you know, I, I think you're you're hitting it right on the head that you know this this is a team. You know, you have to. You know, one of the early things I was looking at Golden State about whether or not they could run. I was looking at kind of that uh, that overall efficiency between defense and offense. And when I noticed, you know, that they were hot, you know they were getting a lot of pluck for being a top offensive team, but when you look at their defensive numbers. Um, and you look at the efficiency rating where they're ranked in the league, I'm like, this team is doing it on both ends. Um, and sometimes people got um, consumed with um, Curry and the three-point shots, but they were defending players. And so when I, when you start seeing this stuff, I start looking at things like that. And Portland is getting stops. Um, and they got, you know, you know, Daniel McCullum should be really good defenders. They're good athletes. They can pick it up at, the, at the, uh, in the backcourt. They always got some bigs. They got some, some folks who can nourish and those cats who can do it on the back end. So they got some people coming off the bench and, and, and giving it to them. And the same way we've seen in Toronto, that style of play, that's consistent, and is that something that could travel? The biggest thing what you said about the playoffs is that you got to be able to – can you make adjustments when somebody can put against your best stuff? And when you go up against Golden State, you know, you know, they're gonna come with you with the Belichick approach. They're gonna try and stop the top things you do and make you go to be uncomfortable. And can you still win when you gotta be uncomfortable? Or can you break your will to stay within the way you play the game? That's where teams like Toronto and Portland um have to go to in a seven game series where teams like the Celtics and Cleveland and you know, even OKC and and, and uh and uh Golden State and Houston, some of those players In in things where they got to make adjustments and go to plan B and C and still get wins, and I think that's where you have to. When somebody knows they're going to be playing you for the next week, ten days, can you get four when they know you got to? They know where you're going, and you still can get yours. Right. You got somebody like Dame and those guys. Those guys can get there, but can they stop people? Can they take away? That's the things you're going to find out if they're trying to go to the next level. Uh, With that. So I'm feeling good about this, man. We're rolling on some of this NBA talk. Uh, But y'all know what today is all about. And so, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, take a little interlude. And when we come back, we're going to start teasing. And at some point, the Game Changer will be joining us. You listen to RSG, one mic with Hank and Devon. Thank you for getting here, being here with us. Uh, We're going to take it to the next level. Take a break.
2: of RingTV.com, and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast.
1: called the Cypher. Yes, 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 we're in the Cypher. We just came out of the open mic session and the Cypher, this is where our main topic for the night. where we're going to get in and at some point, my man, the Game Changer, is going to be joining us here uh, on RSG One Mic, uh, our man for the big show, our man from Hustle & Flow will will uh, bring some commentary to the fold, but but uh, one shining moment, man. The brackets, like I said, were destroyed. The big dogs fell hard. Somebody got to explain what's going on here. We got a lot going on. So we would be remiss. Sound
0: goes Sound goes Fraser.
2: So
1: we go we go we go go to the one that y'all probably want us to talk about. But since you know, you know, myself and and Hank are from, you know, A Square Ann Arbor, y'all know this, y'all follow us here on Real Sports Guys. I gotta hear Hank Hank talk about and describe where you were, how it went down when Jordan Poole hit that improper shot.
2: Listen to me, okay? Now I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm speaking for every University of Michigan basketball fan out there, okay? And if y'all, if I'm wrong anywhere, y'all know where to find us right here on the RSG Networks, okay? I'm telling you right now, I'm speaking for every last one of us, B, okay? I was, I was over with some family, okay, visiting, and, you know, I was watching the game beforehand, and then, you know, it was getting kind of late, and my plan was to come back home and watch the game. Well, it was too close to tip off, so I decided to stay there, watch the game uh, right there, uh, watch watch it right there in the living room. So I'm watching the game, and I'm not going to lie to anybody. A little nervous about how these Wolverines are playing. Look a little flat. Don't look like they did a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, they got this this young man for Houston got this bun on the back of his head. That's all they've been talking about. Great. Rob Gray, Rob Gray. <laughs> What the hell is Rob Gray? They got a little monk running around out there with a Houston uniform on. But he scored 39 points against San Diego State. Every Michigan fan was waxing nostalgic. That's who they wanted to play. Didn't get that chance. So here we go. Start the game. Don't even win the tip. Don't even win the tip. Okay? Immediately we go down by a few points. Okay? Don't look good. Don't look good on either side of the ball. And uh, wasn't shooting worth a crap. Couldn't throw the ball in the ocean, Michigan fans. Michigan, Michigan couldn't do that. Game is tied at twenty eight at the half. Okay. Um, one of the ugliest halves I'd ever seen until he played the second half. And it looked very much very, very much like Houston was about to take this game and pull this game out. All of a sudden, you know, they they, they kinda had uh, Rob Gray kinda spooked. Then, you know, we get midway through the second half, D, and all of a sudden, uh, Houston goes up by five. Rob Gray hits this uh three point shot and we're like, oh boy, here we go. This don't look like it's gonna be our night. Now, that was bad enough, all right? That was bad enough that we weren't playing well. Rob Gray, like he was about to start getting warmed up, and we could not shoot. We had men in foul trouble. Uh, we shooting three-pointers up into the third row, not even drawing iron. I don't know what was wrong with Michigan. I don't know what was wrong with them. But but all that being said, nothing was more annoying than the TV cameras kept panning to Rob Gray's Annoying little damn brother with a damn man bun on, and he was making all these faces. I, you know what? I'm not a child molester, but I want to choke that kid. But I digress. (laughs) Go back to the game. So now we've got a chance, as badly as we're playing, bad as Michigan is playing, we've got a shot. When we go into the hole, we're missing bunnies. We're getting pity pat fouls. You name it, it was happening to Michigan. But, but, and and we had a chance twice. On the last, it looked like we're going to be the last possession. Went to the hole, missed the layup, got the rebound, missed that too. All of a sudden, Houston's got the ball. Three something with, with time left, two free throws. He makes one of his free throws. The season's over. Every and, I, and, and every Michigan fan watching that about to get on social media, about to write this narrative about how poorly we played, how the layoff hurt us, and everything else. That's what every Michigan fan was thinking, every last one of us. Somehow or other, the Achilles heel of this team came back and it hit Houston for some reason. Two missed free throws to assault the game away to pull off the upset and then another week and a half to hear about Rob Gray and his annoying little brother. Somehow the fate was on our side. Missed two free throws. So now we got a chance. And I like every Michigan fan watching this game, all said in the back of our heads if somehow, if some way, we can just figure out a way to shoot to hit this three and win this game, I'm running out of this house. Every Michigan fan said that. They, they might not tell you. They may have been in the bar. They may have been anywhere. They could have been in their car. If, I'm, if they hit this shot, I'm running around in this car. I don't care if I'm on the highway anything to shut this man's brother up. i get back to that. So now we get the ball in to Abdul Rahman, who comes in, okay, cuts to his left, passes the ball back out to Jordan Poole, who launches one from Ypsilanti, Michigan. For those who don't know who, where Ypsilanti, Michigan is, is a good 10 miles outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. However, they were playing in Wichita, Kansas. So that lets you know how far this <laughs> shot was. drains it drains it drains it everybody on sunday morning was hoarse everybody had there was accidents on the highway because people got out of their cars and ran around their cars people had pneumonia because they got up out of their living rooms and ran around their houses they were running around everywhere it was amazing it was amazing it was never really—I can't think of a time outside of the Trey Burke shot that tied the game against Kansas where a game, a shot like that won a game in a tournament. It was absolutely mind blowing. I loved it, and I'm telling you that I'm speaking for every Michigan fan—they're all saying the same thing. Yep, yep. I was thinking the same thing. Ugly game. There were things that happened in that game that just you don't see happen. That made you think this might be it for Michigan. We were down five points, D, and then Charles Matthews hits an improbable three-point shot. There's a foul underneath, and then it, for, for another two shots to be shot by another player who hits both free throws, and the game is magically tied. Houston had outplayed Michigan in every way and every turn. They did not look, They did not. Uh, they did not deserve to lose that basketball game. But somehow, some way, the basketball guys were smiling on the amazing blue that night, and they turned what was ugly into a thing of
1: beauty. Man, when you said uh, what, uh, every biscuit fan said if you hit the shotgun right, I was sitting at the bar still. I ran to the back of the bar. You played that
0: gotcha.
1: <laughs> Every last off. one of us I, I, I stopped, I I could not, I could not believe it. At first, I thought. Uh, 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 Wagner was going to hit it. But the guy who missed the free throws was a 67% free throw shooter. He had gone like six for six, seven for seven. I was like, we going to yes. win well, a 67% free throw shooter. Go, But he came back to the mean. I'm like, this cat going to come back to the average. He going to come back to the average. He missed them too. I was like, he coming back to the average. But he, he front rim the He front
2: rimmed the last one. He front
1: rimmed the last, rimmed rimmed the last, the last shot. Last.
2: I couldn't believe it.
1: Well, hey, you know we got. It.
3: Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time.
1: He's a legend. It's a game changing the building.
3: Yes, sir. What's going on?
1: Man. We, first of all, thanks for joining us here. Y'all listen to uh, RSG One Mike. Uh, we're in the cypher. We, we have, you know, the aforementioned game changing in the building. It was talking basketball. If you don't have a game changer in to offer his perspective, so we just talk about that that Michigan game and what the what your what your thought reaction was when that shot went in from Jordan Poole. You know, now Jordan Poole he from Milwaukee area.
3: Yeah, he's a Milwaukee no. kid. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, he's a Milwaukee so, kid. Man, so what was your thought process, man, when you saw that? What? <laughs> right. And similar
3: to similar to yours, I mean, it was it was so you know I had Virginia winning it all. So after Friday night in the NBC Virginia debacle, I was rooting for I was rooting for chaos at that point. I wanted <laughs> buzzer beaters and upsets, and I just want everybody's bracket to be jacked up. And I pretty much got my wish. You I, did. I pretty much got my wish. <laughs> but the Michigan game was like every other game where it, it was so suspenseful. And that final shot was just a classic dagger. I mean, there were so many shots this weekend that will go down. Like, one shining moment is going to be lit this year. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like, when they run one shining moment, it's going to be shot after shot after shot that just ended people's seasons. And that shot was, uh, uh, again, just as uh, major, just as big. Uh, Saved beeline a little bit. Um, Yes. You know, uh but overall man it's been it's been a heck of a weekend. That shot amongst many um just made it a really entertaining weekend of basketball. Uh you yeah. know I'm sure you guys yeah. are a little bit more invested in that particular shot than most. Yeah. But um but but yeah, it was it was a, it was a heck of a shot and it was one of a lot of heck of a shots. It was a great weekend of hoops.
1: So you mentioned you know you grew up in Wisconsin. I pretty much lived out my life with college. I mean, Dick Bennett is a legend. Tony Bennett has a great name. You mentioned you had Virginia winning it all. Now, there's this place I go and watch the games down in Rockford, Illinois. All my guys over there at RBI, they tell me, I know y'all listen. Uh, and they have this raffle they do every year. It's a $10,000 uh, raffle. They give out these tickets. It was a 16 to one. So I was there Thursday night. And it did happen. So Friday I'm like trying to be responsible. I got some other stuff I need to do. And I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, I need to get in my car from Jamesville.
0: I need to drive down there
1: with my ticket. I text the owner, like, Does my ticket still count? He said, Yes, but you gotta be in the building. I'm thinking, I need to drive down to Rockford so I can qualify for this ten thousand <laughs> dollars. But I'm like, I'm not believing what I'm saying. When you watch that, what in your mind? I mean, you 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 coach basketball, you analyze this What happened?
2: So
3: what happened? This is is, is a phenomenon in basketball, and and some people call it momentum, whatever you want to call it. When you let a team that thinks that they can beat you start believing that they can beat you, no matter who you are or who they are, once they believe that they can beat you, once they move from thinking they can beat you to believing that they can beat you, you got a problem. And that happened really quickly in that game. Now, uh, just from a tactical standpoint, UMBC's quickness gave Virginia fits. Um, And most coaches know the pack line can be taken advantage of if you're willing to take and make long threes. And UMBC was willing to take them bad boys with no conscience, it was like they was playing with, uh, like, five Vernon Maxwells on the court at all
0: times. (laughs) (laughs) They had
3: five Mad Maxes out there who was, you know, ready to cut through the slash into the paint. They drew help. They kicked it out. They hit the shots. Um, And, again, that that Virginia defense had no answer for it. Um, And offensively, UMBC was good enough to uh, handle – Well, Virginia was dishing out, and Virginia got down so early, they don't play a style that's comeback-friendly. And when they got down, it was pretty much a wrap, and they started to, the same way UMBC started to believe that they was going to win that game, Virginia started to realize, oh, crap, (laughs) we might lose this game. Um, And then they started, their players started making decisions not to lose rather than uh, fighting to win. And that's what I saw, just just generally from uh, observing, um, you know, Bennett's style, I mean, it's a style that can work at the college level. Um, but again, if you get the wrong kind of matchup, it's a matchup based style. It's not a style that's uh bracket proof. And that's why Virginia uh as you tweeted out, is now on the can't trust it list. Um because they uh that style is not bracket proof. It's not it's not bracket proof. They can't go against any kind of matchup. They have to have the right matchups and the right kind of teams, and they can cause them problems. Um, But there are also matchups and teams that will cause them problems. Um, UMBC is good, Um, and they proved it last night um, in their game against Kansas State, which they very well could have won that game as well. Um, That's a legit good team, and it's unfortunate um, that they are out because I, I think that's the team that would have that could have beaten a lot of squads in this tournament um, and obviously beaten the overall number one, which was even more crazy. Like, this wasn't just a 16 seed beating the number one. This was a right. 16 seed taking down the overall number one. The best team in the tournament was out on the first night. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, the team supposedly that had the easiest pass lost their first game.
1: That's right. Yeah. Before I hit over to Hank on this one, because I got you roll a little bit, um, and we I, I, I can talk to you about this because you're very familiar. Because Wisconsin had that same reputation, but both decided you could be defensive and still get more offense. That you can find ways to expand your offense and stay committed to your defense. Like it's not mutually exclusive. Can Tony Bennett do that? Because it seems like, yeah, I agree with the defense you need to play and all that stuff, but he can he can add more offense in. He could. I mean, one of the things he has, he doesn't have bigs who can – I think where Bo went, Bo got some bigs who can handle a little bit and shoot deep and create some different kinds of offensive matchups. You can do – you can be more offense and still have a commitment to defense. Do you see him trying to do that?
3: Yeah, and so this is what I see when I look at this upset, is that you have a, a team that won 30 games, lost two games, and they thrived on mastering their system, right? And this was the issue at Wisconsin for so long. Like, I played against guys who were Badgers, right? As a Division three athlete, I would play against these guys in pickup. And I'm like, man, this dude ain't that good. But you get him in that swing? You get him in that swing? <laughs> them dudes will cut, cut you up. You know what I mean? And so it's like, okay, you're a system guy. And what Tony has is a bunch of system guys. And they execute that system really well. Now, but with system teams, and when you have a bunch of system guys, you can run into some guys who can do some stuff as a coach. You can't game plan for them. You know what I mean? And the Cat Lyles from uh, UMBC, he was doing some stuff out there that ain't no game plan for that. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's that's that factor in the tournament when you run into pros and studs and that hot handed guard that they do stuff that you can't you just can't scheme. There's nothing as a coach you can do like he hitting shots. (laughs) You're making them take tough shots and he's making those shots and you just kind of got to throw your hands up and hope he eventually stops making those shots. Now, what happened at Wisconsin was that Bo eventually. Right. Right. And what happened at Wisconsin was Bo eventually got players that he could then let play, and the system then depended upon the players more than the players depended upon the system. Virginia's not at yeah. that point yet where he's got guys who the system is dependent upon them. Right now, those dudes are dependent upon that system, and a system can be stopped. right? A system can be broken down. A system can be game planned for. A system can be taken away. Great players, can you can't take away great players. Like They're just going to get theirs.
0: Yeah. You can slow
3: them down. You can make it difficult, but when they get hot, they're going to do stuff that you just it's just good offense beats good defense almost all the time. And when you have Frank the Tank and Sam Decker um, and those guys in that swing, it allowed them to ascend to that level because they had pros for the first time, really, multiple pros on that team. And, and a Nigel Hayes, guys who are, are professional-level caliber talents, they ascended to the Final Four level because the system – was good enough to get them to that. The system got them to the Sweet 16 every year. But rarely did the system have enough talent within it where when teams took away the system, you still had guys who can go get a bucket, multiple guys who can go get a bucket. And that's what Virginia didn't have this year. They didn't have multiple guys who can go get a bucket. And, again, you can take down that system. Um, And and when you run into a guy who can go get buckets and you rely on a system, you might be in trouble Um, if the other team can figure out how to slow down your system. And that's what happened in that situation. And that's where when Wisconsin was good under Bo, they had guys, multiple guys, who could uh, get buckets within and outside of the system. And when they're not good and when they're average, they got only guys who could get it, get buckets within the system.
1: That's it. That's why I call the game changer, y'all. Y'all get these hot cakes up in here on RSG One Mike. Hank, I know you've been playing down goes Fraser all night. I know you're talking about this game. When you watch Virginia we watch the game, it was a beatdown. It wasn't a buzzer-beater, heartbreak hotel. It was like you took the first punch and you took the second punch and you out. What was it like when you were watching the Virginia game?
2: Let me tell you something. Okay, now this is one of those kind of games that, and let's face it, you got so many games on that this was kind of one that you just kind of brushed off when you saw the matchup, right? You're watching everybody else, and you figure, well, Virginia will just go ahead and advance In fact, they killed my bracket because I had them going all the way to the finals. So, you know, you you, you kind of, like, get to the game in the second half. You know, it's kind of a close game up in front. Virginia will come back, and they'll do what they do. Next thing you know, you're looking around, and you're saying to yourself, what's, what's going on here? I mean, I couldn't even... I'm. I'm. I played casual fan with this game. I'm not going to lie to you. This is not a game that I had watched closely until the inevitable happened, and they were upset to the point where I could not even tell the name on their jerseys of UMBC. I was like, "What are they, roundabouts? The what? What's the name of this team?" I was just like everybody else. <laughs> Who are they? Because I can't. You know, they're moving around so fast you can't read their cars of retrievers. I didn't know that, so I'm looking, and the next thing I know, and like. uh uh, I, we, we had a show that night, so I was out and somebody. Man, you need to check this out. I looked up and and Virginia's getting spanked. I'm like, this can't be, this can't be. I haven't even had anything to drink. Is this score real? And next thing you know, the, the game was over, and and I didn't really break this game down that much until afterwards, D, because it was one of those games you took it as a foregone conclusion. I watched the game yesterday when they played Kansas State. A game changer, man. First of all, it's good talking to you again, Chief. To be on the air with you again. Yeah, but, good talking you know, to fast. you too, bro. Yeah, man, that was an exciting game. That was an exciting game. Those who didn't see the game with them and Kansas State, that that team showed up, and and I mean it was going up and down the floor, and and Kansas State had to work because that game was not over until like the last uh, three four minutes of the ball game. That was a very exciting game, and you can see, and you have to ask yourself, how does a team come out the blue that we've never heard of? And play that well, you know, against you know a, a, an ACC team and a Big 12 team, and play that well, and play that precise. That's I think that to me was more impressive than what happened with uh, Virginia, because as game Changers so eloquently said they, they beat the system. But now you come back, you got to play Kansas State, and you have that same, you know, you you, you figure how high can you be? You got to have a letdown after beating the number one overall, right? No, they were in that game until the end. That team, you know, for whatever we want to say about them, they will go down in history as the first 16 to be the one. And they will, that was well-deserved because watching that game last night, you know, they were impressive. They were impressive against Kansas State. They really were.
1: Well yeah, and,
3: and against, against we'll Kansas State, they didn't have that uh, – against Kansas State, they didn't have the um, surprise factor. Like Kansas right. State was a, right. like, nah, we 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 strapped up for this one. <laughs> they were.
2: they were like, nah, but, but, y'all not
3: catching us slipping.
2: That's right, but but D, what you say? What you say? Uh, but uh, you know, Virginia was number one uh, overall, right?
1: You're right.
2: It was number one overall, Chief, and uh, they're gone. So
1: <laughs> it, it, it's always down goes phrases. I mean, it, it was. It's over. It's over. I think the biggest star of the tournament, y'all, the biggest star of the tournament, didn't play on the court. Down goes
2: Peter. Down
1: goes Peter.
2: Down goes I had, I had to give it to you.
1: <laughs> I know you had to give it. The viewer on the star on the court wasn't a player. His sister Jean Delores Smith, 97-year-old. Chaplet for the loyal Chicago team over here. What do they call them? Uh, the Ramblers or whatever. Midwest, the uh, representative of Illinois. Man, that's another team. I, I gave them some love because I was watching did. them tough. But, man, I just, that whole, <laughs> that whole energy that's there is incredible. But, you know, I, I I know you're familiar with uh, the, the, the the Illinois world, of hoop and basketball game danger. But, I mean, Loyola Chicago, it was making some buzz. But, man, them kids. And then you got sister out there. I mean, you got the higher order over you, too. You know, there's a lot, lot coming out. And to think that's the only team, I think that was the only team in the postseason tournament coming out of Illinois. So they basically repping. When you saw that team, what was you thinking? That's somebody who was born in there in Chicago, proper.
3: Uh, yeah right as as a chicago you know uh, i was born and bred um it Definitely it was right. it warmed my heart to see Loyola putting in work um and repping uh for the for the, the 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 illinois collegiate basketball fan which is on hard times you know northwestern is northwestern um you know one tournament appearance in forever. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Illinois, U of I has been down for a long time. I mean, U of I has been knocked down to the depths of the Big 10. Um where Northwestern is the hope. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, DePaul DePaul has been uh, a middling mediocre squad for a long time. Um so it it was good to see uh, a, a Loyola team, a Chicago team repping. Um, and, again, Chicago has kind of lost its steam as the hotbed it was maybe seven, eight years ago when it was the place to go for uh, high school talent. Um, the the uh, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, also known as the DMV, is the place to be right now. That is the hotbed of, of high school hoops in the country right now. That's the place to be um, if you're looking for a top-tier talent. That's where everybody's going. Everybody's trying to get guys out of there. Um, and Chicago's kind of cooled off a little bit. And with that cooling off, you have seen a continual decline in, in the quality even of the mid-major schools um, in the Chicago area. And honestly, Chicago itself is in such a rough spot um, just in general um, for for young African-American youth that a lot of guys are trying to get out <laughs> You know what I mean? A lot of guys are trying to get away from that. And so you have guys leaving state, going to different places, um, so that they can have an opportunity to get away as far away from the neighborhood as they can during their formative years. Um, So they have an opportunity to breathe a little bit and to live a little bit. Um, You can't blame young men for doing that. Um, But that's kind of the state of Chicago right now as far as hoops go. And it's great to see this story come out um, about Loyola. Uh, Again, just a throwback name, a throwback uh, you know, just just bringing it back, and 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 you got Sister Jean repping, and these guys are good. These guys are a good yeah. good team. Um, and now they got the whole country behind them. Um, I was in a, a, a sports bar when they uh when they when they won their second round game. Um, and the whole the whole joint was rooting for loyal. The whole joint had Loyola's back. Um, so you know, I, I told my wife when uh when UMBC beat Virginia, I was like, I think we found Cinderella. Um, and then UMC, UMBC got knocked off. And now I think Loyola has put on a slipper and it's fitting pretty good. Um, so we'll see how far they can take it. But it's quite a few uh, uh, misfits crashing the party this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the batter, the whole nine is, 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 is there. And, and we'll get a little bit quickly in that Sweet 16. But I I want to stay on this can't trust it because you're the one who kept help the coin this term. And Arizona, across two coaches, have proved why Man. they can't be on the can't trust it list.
0: Across Man. two coaches. Man. Across
1: loop, And now it's Sean Miller with all that scandal and, and, and uh, you know uh. We got Mo Red talking about the the impact of the scandal, even you know, on Michigan State. So many people, but Arizona with all the talent they've had for the past twenty years. I don't. Is there a program who's been more of a disappointment with more shocking losses than Arizona? I don't know. I mean, there. I I, I don't
3: know. I don't know. And I had them. I had them actually moving this far because they have David Robinson reincarnated, um, and DeAndre Ayton, um, and they still couldn't get it done. Like you got. The second coming of David Robinson on your team, and you still can't get out the first round? <laughs> are you kidding me? That yeah, they gonna stay on the can't trust the list. Like they are, they are serving a death penalty.
0: <laughs> like
3: they are, they are, they are in the hole. They in solitary confinement, twenty four hour lockdown. Like they, they, they stuck. They stuck, yo. Like there's no way. There's no way that they are coming off that list for a long time. If they couldn't get out the first round with this squad, man, yeah, they 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 definitely on the can't trust it list. Um, you know, Roy Williams gonna come out. Roy Williams had the nerve to come out. Who is a a a, a, a frequent flyer in the can't trust it? Um, uh, he's a frequent visitor to the can't trust it uh, facility. Um, he gonna come out talking. Well, we're 32 and 0 in the first round. What about the second round, Roy? What about the second round? How about that? <laughs> Can y'all get out the second round? Um, I mean, he does have a national championship, so, you know, you can't be too mad at him. But he'll never win it when I pick him.
0: <laughs> never, man.
3: <laughs> he'll never. never win it when I pick
1: him. <laughs> never.
3: Oh, man. I mean... Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's Some cats are uh, jumping into the can't trust it, uh, on the can't trust it list. Uh for sure. But uh right now Virginia's holding that top spot, Arizona's hanging in there. Um yeah. It's gonna be a minute.
1: It's gonna be a minute for hey. Look, you know I, mean, I can't wait. We talked about this guy. Huh? Go ahead.
2: Go ahead,
1: say what you gotta say.
2: I said, you know I can't wait. You know I can't wait to talk about this K trusted list. Okay? Yeah. Now, you yeah. did. You talked about Arizona. That was your can't trust it with, and, and uh, all the scandal. And here's the thing about this game change you didn't bring up. Shortly after losing that game, your boy and another player said, oh, we going pro. We done. I mean, I mean, the the, the players are still sitting on their stunned, shot they lost. These guys announced it while they're still in the locker room. We ain't going to be back next year anyway. So, you know, y'all going to stay on that list at least for another four years. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the crazy thing about that. But I got, I got to pump the brakes, back it up, and go back out here to the Midwest. D, you know it. We talked about it. I texted you on it. I got to go. You got, you got you to gotta give me some room now. I got, I'm, I'm loosening go, go up my shoulders right for this now. one.
1: We, we, we gonna go to the corner huh? on you. We are gonna go to the corner. Hey, Let's come because 'cause on I'm here.
2: ready. I'm loose on this one. What did I tell you? About Tom is no, I told you, this is three years. That he 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 has hit the trifecta with this year, okay? Three years in a row being knocked out in the second round. This one got to be this one's got to trump them all. He had Barack Obama pick Michigan State to win the national championship this year, okay? This was supposed to be Tom Izzo's best team talent-wise. They played their games in Detroit against a play-in team, a play-in team, okay? They played against the ghost of Jim Boeheim and the Syracuse <laughs> Orange Men at the crib, okay? At the crib. I can't wait to do this. And what happened? Down goes crazy
0: Down goes crazy Down goes freezer.
2: I could not believe it. And they didn't score sixty points. There's something wrong. There's something amiss. And you can't trust them. All right, you can't trust them. I know everybody. I know all the state fans. Like, oh, you just a Michigan slappy? Check the tape. Check the tape. Check the check the data, as they say. This is this is a problem. Game changer, Oh, you know, I, I want to listen to your expertise. How can you have the legendary the legend that is Tom Izzo? Okay. You have a team that a lot of people had picked as the preseason number one. They they underachieved all year. I think this is another another one of those system issues that we talked about. There was no excuse for them to lose that game against uh, Syracuse the other day.
3: Yeah, there was no issue, and this is, this goes back to one of my theories about getting out coached. Um, and Izzo got out coached. I mean, when you have more talent um, and you lose a game, you got outcoached. Uh, and Bayham got him. Um, Boeheim just flat out outcoached him. Um, Izzo has Jaron Jackson, Jr. He's got uh, Miles Bridges. I mean, when you go uh, player for player, you know, if you, if you line up both, both teams and you finna go playground style and pick the, the ten best dudes from each team, Most of those dudes, probably seven dudes is coming off Michigan State's roster, three coming off Syracuse's roster. In that situation, Izzo's got to win that game. He didn't. Um, And, you know, he's got to figure out. And, again, I think some of these uh, older coaches have to start to figure out how can they play a a, a different style. Basketball is evolving. Um, And we're seeing it at the pro level. And it's starting to trickle down to the college level. And, you know, Guys have got to figure out how to evolve and develop some new tricks because, you know, Beheim knew. Beheim he, he he knew what Izzo was going to do. Izzo's been doing the same stuff for a long time. And either you evolve or you get left behind. And, right. you know, Beheim is still running that 2-3 zone. But even that 2-3 zone that Beheim ran, he extended it a little bit. And you could see that in the game. He extended that 2-3 zone and those wings came up. That lower level came up a little bit more. And I noticed that. Um, being a little bit different than it had been in the past for for Syracuse, they usually didn't extend it out as far, but they did against Michigan State, um, and, and that caused Michigan State some problems. It messed up their their, their offense. It took away some op- options that they wanted wanted to attack. But yeah, uh, Beheim just kind of out-strategized them. And you know, again, if you look at just who had the most talent, it, it, it's Izzo. Izzo definitely had the most talent, but he just it, it didn't work out. It just did. he got got he got got, got in his own he got got as you said at the crib he got got
1: <laughs> <laughs> it it and he sent me a text man the text was just right on I couldn't even I couldn't even really send that back I said Hank to nail this thing out the gate um, and you're right he sneakily he's sneaking he got on the can't trust list we look at the last for years I mean he's been able to kind of Stay out of the criticism, but with all the stuff that just happened at Michigan State, everything else, and not winning um, these past three years, it's going to be interesting. I mean, particularly when we look at, even in that state, with with uh, Michigan winning the Big Ten tournament two years in a row, so it's going to be interesting to see how things happen uh, with all this, with, you know, with, you know, he's pretty much, is was pretty much gold with Michigan, you know, pretty much. Even though we're getting to players that had Flint and Saginaw on lockdown, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing evolves, and, and particularly losing in your own backyard in Detroit. So we got to kind of get at that. When we come back, teams or players that blew your way in that first weekend, we talked about a couple of them. And then we, with all these boobas losing, who's unreliable? Who, who, who is not on the can't trust it list? Is Jay Wright unreliable? We got it all we gotta explore this. We got the game changer, we got Hank, this is D. Will on R S G One Mike.
2: I'm the greatest thing that I've
0: ever And I don't have a mark on my face. Yes. And i upset, son, and listen. And I just turned 22 years old. I must be the greatest. Right. I, I told the world I talk to God every day. If God's whipping the out of you, i Sonny, i took up the world. I'm the real God. Cassius, wait a minute, wait a minute, Cassius. Yes. I am the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. pretty. Hold, 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 hold it, you're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. Right.
3: Exit stage left, Tony Cartagena, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Southside, born and raised, UW Badgers on Wisconsin. Mike
0: drops. Call
1: the cipher. We're in the cipher. We got game change in the house. Hands in the house. This is RG One Mike brought to you by our good folks at Carverwell Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. And also our co-sponsor uh, for the RG tournament, Orange Street Storehouse. You know where you can get your gourmet coffee and tea, the highest quality. Go to OrangeStreetStorehouse.com and let them know that the Real Sports Guys sent you. Yes, we've been talking about the the tournament. A lot of good stuff here. A lot of good content. Hank, I'm gonna hit you. We probably hit a couple of teams, but. Who, were, were there teams or, or a player that blew you away in the first weekend watching? I know we yes. talked about but is there someone else that stands out?
2: Yes, yes. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Seton Hall-Kansas game, but the center of power forward for Seton Hall, Angel Delgado, was a man mm-hmm. of voice. He clowned Kansas, all right? If that game had somehow got to overtime we'd have been talking about the hall I mean he was a full-grown man I think he had like 22 23 rebounds like 24 25 points I mean he had a stellar performance and he just got to the point where he was just much he was just a must-see TV okay it was a close game because he absolutely owned both boards Okay, and to the point where he fouled out or nearly filed out, um, Kansas was a very talented center himself. But he just outplayed everybody on on in the front court. Just absolutely it was a beast. And um that was that was entertaining. You know, being a big man and watching that kind of play around the rim, that was that was fun to watch. He was he was truly amazing. It would have been fun to see how what he what they would have did had they got past Kansas.
1: That's a good one. A game changer, is there, is there a team or player that kind of blew you away in the first round and maybe even someone we haven't talked about in this uh, first round weekend? So
3: I'm going to take a different approach to this. There's not a team or a player per mm-hmm. se that I feel like – uh there were some great performances, but what I feel like this tournament and as we get into these later rounds of the tournament, we're going to start to see there isn't there isn't that like star power with this tournament. And that's why going into this tournament, I was kind of like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. Like I really didn't. I went chalk on my brackets. Cause I was just like, I really don't know how this is going to go. Um, because like, there isn't an, there isn't just, there isn't that, like all of the real big time guys are freshmen, which we're kind of used to now, but, um, you know, there isn't necessarily a, a big time star in this tournament or somebody with the potential to make themselves – actually, there is, there is one player that really impressed me, and that's the kid from uh, Kentucky, the point guard. Shea uh, Gilgis, um, he got a hyphenated name, 22 for Kentucky. Watching him play, he's long, he's smooth, he, he killed. He killed in that second game, that second-round game with Eric. He was unstoppable, um, and they just, they just couldn't do anything with him. I think they played Buffalo and Buffalo was competing and Buffalo was trying but there was nothing that they could do with that kid. Every time they got close, I think he had 30 some points in the game, um he just killed. That's maybe somebody who could you know for a big name team who maybe can, you know, cuz you always have the tournament darling um that develops over time and I don't think we have that guy yet in this particular tournament. Doesn't mean he's not out there somewhere, but we just have he hasn't identified himself yet, but I think um the kid uh from uh Kentucky. Uh again he's got a hyphenated name. It's Gil just something. I can't remember the his second his the second hyphenated name, but uh the can ball. Um he might be one. because um, 'cause I'm looking at I'm watching the score the ticker go, go by right now, um, on ESPN and I'm looking at these games and it's like you got a, a seven versus a <laughs> an eleven a five versus a nine. <laughs> so some of the some of the you know, the the DeAndre Itens, the uh, Trey Youngs, and some of these other guys that have made a name for themselves over the course of the season are no longer involved uh, for very good reason. They lost. Um, so, they, you know, it is what it is. You lost. You go home. Um, so it will be interesting to see what names emerge this weekend. I think this is going to be the star-making weekend um, where we, we have those really big performances come out of. But there were some guys who put in work. Um, lots of guys who put in work. Uh, again, a lot of these dudes, I'm just getting to know them because these are teams that I was not checking for.
0: <laughs> like,
3: yeah. if you tell me you 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 knew anything about Loyola before this weekend, I'm, I'm going to punch you in the face because you're lying. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: I don't like being lied to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Gilgis Alexander, you're right. And I would say Cal has done an excellent job, kids. um, You know, they had a four-game stretch. They had a four-game stretch where they, um, you know, they lost some games, and it was questions about whether or not this team could pull it together. And they had just – they made a run through the SEC tournament. He's given them really good leadership at point. You're right, and he's putting it together, um, you know, in, in in a special way it's kind of crazy with all this stuff that looks crazy. You could still end up with some blue bloods or semi-blue bloods in the final four. And so it's going to be interesting with all this weird, you know, return, you know, things might return to the mean in, in, in certain ways if if some of these teams, um, you know, continue to play and, and continue to go uh, with it. But the team that impressed me, and it doesn't feel like I should say they impressed me, but nobody – really talked about them um, as much when they were talking about who was going to win was Duke. Yeah. You know, when you think about Coach K, you talk talking about making adjustments, going to the 2-3. You know, you talk about evolving your game. You know, he moved to the 2-3 of which he picked up from Bayheim coaching U.S. basketball. When he first did that, I was like, Coach is a man-to-man guy, but he's going his 2-3. And then watching his two young bigs, the way they move the ball, and they stretch the floor, and, and um, you know, watching the team kind of grow. Um, but it's coming away from his kind of his adjustments, right? He's adjusting and changing with the game, not just the one that's done, but how he's getting these kids to evolve over a season and how strong they look as players, as young guys, and how they play in these moments. Um I was just impressed that when everybody else was folding, his team just was just solid. <laughs> like forming and coming at folks when a lot of these big teams were just folding. So I was very impressed as a team. You know you know me, I'm not a big Duke fan. You know me, I call them camp kids. But these are kids that got some dog in them. And they don't, to me, have... I thought their weakness was, I don't think they have a true point guard. Um, but they are... Their point guard is even pulling himself together because he wasn't as offensive. Um, they're pulling himself together, so I, you know I'm. Duke is. You shouldn't say you should do that with Duke, but no one was really talking about Duke as much as they could when all you heard all the show, all the people talking. No one was really talking about Duke, but I think as a team, when everybody's folding, they're they're hanging together. And I always say, you bet with Coach K when he has low post presence. When they're playing that kind of four-out, one-in, with no true inside game, that's when I'm looking for them to go out. But they got two bigs who can get on the glass because that allows them to play when it's ugly. So, Duke is kind of my team. Just quickly.
3: Well, okay. you, you, know, well you, what haven't you haven't heard
1: to... about Duke.
3: You haven't heard about Duke. We you gonna sure. hear about them going forward, though, because they got to create that narrative, right? Yes. <laughs> they got to create that narrative. So, we're going to hear about Duke. We're going to hear about Kentucky. We're gonna hear about Villanova. Yes. We're gonna hear about the names that yes. people know as as this thing starts to evolve and we get closer to the weekend. When we get close to these games, you're gonna hear those known teams get talked about as they try to pump up and get interest going. And and you they'll dig into the teams that we don't know, but they're gonna stick they're
1: gonna stick by those those good brands. Oh, they got to. That's what sells them tickets. who's over reliable right now? James K. Man. Old reliable. With everybody going out, it, 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 list. it's only getting longer. Who's overliable? I, mean, I think one team I'm saying is overliable who doesn't get enough credit is Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marcus should have do let me down. St. Mary should have been out there conference. conference, but they kind of playing steady. Like, you can almost shock them for Elite Eight sometimes. They might not win it all, but. They give you those. They get you to that lead eight. Yeah, and they got a solid group
3: of guys out there, and it's a different kind of Gonzaga team. I've actually had a chance to watch Gonzaga this season. I was up up, being up late a few nights here there during during the winter months, um, game planning my own self. You know, you catch some of these uh, West Coast Conference games, or WAC games, or Pac twelve games, um, and Gonzaga's got a different team. Like, you know, usually you think of Gonzaga, you think they got a, a big. Foreign big man on the inside, and some floppy haired kid running point. And this ain't that team. He got some brothers out there. He got some athletes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he got he got some dudes. Yeah, he got some dudes that can get out and run with the big boys. Um, This is a different crew in Gonzaga, Um, and so you know they have they have a different profile this year, and they could very well find themselves in the elite eight, especially with some of. Um, those big dogs having fallen, um, their athleticism and their ability to be long and athletic is going to shine even more because that's the kind of team that they built out there. Um, they got a lot of 6'6", six, 6'7 six, six, guys who can run, who can jump, but can still play. Um, and that's going to that, be difficult for those mid-major guys who are running 6'4", six, 6'5", six, um, to deal with. Um, so Gonzaga could be a team. You know, again, KU. Uh, Kentucky, um, yeah. you know Cal rarely lets you down, and Cal gets this far, he rarely lets you down. I mean, you can say what you want about Calatari. Yeah. we all know he's a used car salesman, but uh, when he gets this far, he makes good. Um, you know Cal is Cal is a trusted brand. Um, he's on the opposite of the can't trust the list.
0: <laughs>
3: you know what I mean? Yeah, like he has I mean, not he has not had a, a run of years where his teams are going out early. Um, either his teams don't make it, but when they do make That's it, right. they make noise. Um, so Cal is kind of trying to trust me.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's right. If, if he makes it, he going to make it, which is a big, yeah. you're right. Cal who gets a lot of criticism of a lot of different ways. His, if he makes it to the tournament, no matter where you got him seated, you know, he might lose in an Elite Eight or, you know, maybe a Final Four. But you ain't gonna see him on the on the wrong side of some of these first round losses or even a second round loss. You know he'll get you. he at least get you to week sixteen in that space. But you know he doesn't let you. You're right. He doesn't let you down uh, in that space. Hank, is there somebody you got who's like you think is like now all reliable? Because I can't trust the list. Might be two pages now.
2: Well, you know what? <laughs> we 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 put him on a can't trust the list. But I but but game changer mentioned it. Uh, in Kansas. I mean, they're going to get to. They've gotten to the Sweet 16 the last several years, and you can almost get get them to the Elite Eight almost every year. I think that sometimes because they don't get to the Final Four, they're almost picked to be a Final Four team every year, every other year. That we 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 look for that to happen, and when they fall short, we say you can't trust it. You know, them and Duke once they get rolling, you know, but they're here every year, and it seems like all the time. Every time you look around, there they are. So as we talk about these other teams that's falling in the second round, you very rarely, and it's like a what happened if you see a Duke or a Kansas fall before they get to the Sweet 16.
1: One of the things game changer you talked about was, you know, and talk about previewing quickly on the on the, on the Sweet 16. You know things are going to settle down, and so we're looking at a Kansas State against Kentucky. We're looking at Loyola against Nevada, which is going to be an interesting game. We got Florida, against Florida State against Gonzaga. We got Michigan against Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a team that just is not playing around. You know, they were early season, uh, you know, top three, top five, had some issues, had to suspend some guys. They seem like they've come back to that form that everybody, you know, they, they, they're they not messing around. They're people straight up in the dome. You got Villanova uh, against uh, West Virginia. Uh, that hug is a little well, huggy bear. You got Texas Tech, a team that you know, it's hard to know because you think about football, but they're doing their thing against Purdue. And I argue Purdue is actually – I'm arguing that they're better without Haas because their perimeter guys are going to be more aggressive than those guys to play. It's going to be interesting, and, and the big they replace them with is much more athletic. Um, and then you got got um, Kansas playing Clemson. Clemson is another one of the football schools putting their basketball together, doing something interesting. And then you got Behan, just like the woe is me – I can't believe I'm here. Nobody really loves me. I've just been doing all <laughs> you're few. talk about use against Duke Coast K. That's gonna be an interesting kind of thing. You are looking at that lineup, who are you thinking as you preview and looking at this, who who are you who are some interesting games and where you think there might be some shake up here? Um,
2: well,
3: for me, I think uh the West Virginia uh the West Virginia Villanova game is one that I would immediately yeah. kind of look at as a potential um upset game. Um and I don't know if that's really an upset when it's like a one and a five. But just yeah. I think that's going that upsetting people's response to losing a one seed uh another one seed out of the bracket. Um, but I think that's one where you can see somebody get got. Um you can see uh Villanova getting got. Um, as good as Villanova is on in their backcourt, West Virginia gets after you, man. West Virginia gets after you yes. defensively. Uh, Javon Carter is a beast out on the perimeter, and then you got Kanate, uh, the big man in the inside, who's a uh, an elite shot blocker and just a big burly dude, man. He's a, he's an enforcer um, <laughs> on the inside, and so they have a good combination of that outside presence and that ball hawk on the outside with a guy who. Uh, who gets after you on the inside. And so uh, it's, it's going to be uh, – I think that's a team that, with that press that pressing style, that could cause problems um, with their pressure. Um, I, that's a game that either Villanova's going to handle that pressure and blow them boys out, or West Virginia might catch catch, uh, uh, catch uh, uh, Villanova um, and, and, and put the sticks to him. Um, I think that's one that's either going it, – it, it's, it's not going to be a middle ground. It's not going to be a, a close, tight game. I think either West uh, Villanova is going to handle it, and they're going to kill him, or they're not going to handle it, and they're going to get killed. Um, <laughs> but that's one
1: that jumps out at me. Mm. I'll get that. Uh, Hank, is, is there one of the matchups that jumps out? I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get- I know that one.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about that one. That was too easy, you know. Um, I want to talk about the FSU-Gonzaga game because you mm. know what FSU did to Xavier. Um, it's not going to be a walkthrough as I, I had thought. This, this team is talented. This team has mm. a lot of talent and they can score. And I, and I think I underestimated that when I, when I looked at FSU um, and they showed something in that game. Uh, very resilient, you know. Uh, very athletic, very athletic team. So I, I'm looking for that game to be closer than, than advertised. And, and actually, I'm picking that upset. I'm taking FSU over Gonzaga in that game.
3: And, and you got you know, to pick any team. You got to pick any team that's coached by Bunny Colvin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't let it Hamilton
3: look like Bunny Colvin from The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Sergeant oh Bunny. I had to look it up to see if they was related, man. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all
1: y- 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 hit one. I, to me, other than Syracuse and Duke, because it's just Behar himself to what was me in guys game. But I, I think Duke, you know, the Purdue-Texas Tech one gets me. Because I think Texas Tech is a good team, but it's Purdue Adjust without Haas, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, particularly Villanova gets through. That yeah. Purdue backcourt, these are older, these veterans, these are some cats who can play. That would be a really good matchup, particularly if they you know, one thing about, you know, I had a chance to watch some on uh, uh, the uh, Frank Kaminsky kind of night uh, where Wisconsin beat uh, Purdue. And part of the reason why Wisconsin was able to beat them is that when you've got somebody as big as Haas, it's almost, it's almost kind of uh, criminal behavior if you don't throw the ball to him. It. It's almost like you should be shot, and you can't look to the bench if you don't see him. And sometimes I thought their offense got stifled a little bit because they're trying to force it. To, because he's so big, he always has an advantage. And when they just started playing a little bit freer and the perimeter guys started playing, they started clicking. And his injury, I think, is going to open them up offensively in ways that weren't so, and they already play tough. They get targeted after you defensively. So that Purdue Texas Tech matchup is going to be something I'm going to watch, along with the ones that y'all talked about as as well.
3: Um, and, and additionally, D, to I'll add be- on to your point about Purdue, I want to add on to your yeah. point about Purdue real quick. And just the presence of a big. I mean, this is why you see the game going the way it's going right now. Um, it's a yeah. It's becoming a more perimeter oriented game. And when you have that big, like. And and if the big is good, guess what? They attract bodies. Like, not only is his guy in the paint, everybody that's two passes away is in the paint. Why? Because he's going to score if you don't guard him. You know what I mean? And so that doesn't allow guards who can slash those lanes to get in there. Um, And when you take that body out of there and the team is playing a little bit more straight up, a little bit more honest, um, and they aren't overloading the paint with extra bodies, now those guards see a little bit more space. And now they can start punching those gaps. They can start attacking those gaps slicing through and doing their thing. And that's why I think you see those guards get more aggressive when Haas isn't in there is because if he in there, his man in there too. And his man is usually the biggest dude on the other team. So, you know what I mean? When you remove him out of the paint, now that basket opens up, the rim opens up a little bit. You can move all five defenders around maybe a little bit more, get that big out of the paint. And now your guards have a little bit more spacing, a little bit more room to punch and attack. Because, again, the opposing defense always knows where he's going to be.
1: So they're always going to have one or two bodies in the lane. I think we hit this one pretty tough. And I was going to ask something about Cinderellas and who we want to watch. But I also want to give time and just that we have Game Changer. Those of you who don't know, Game Changer is a coach. He's coaching high school uh, girls basketball. He's very invested. and uh, always been a very invested in the women's game. Um, and I, I do want to make sure we we, we spent a lot of time on the men, but since we got to here, you know, I want to have just a brief conversation. Um, you know, Forrest put out this article that's kind of getting a lot of reaction about whether or not UConn is hurting the game. I know in our past, we, we, we've we talked about the women's game being where the men's game was probably in the 70s, you know, when UCLA was kind of owning and it was a small group, but then there's some turning moments that kind of push it. That's kind of how I know we've talked about it in the past. But you know, you can't kind of just beat somebody with about 98 points. I and mean, you see a lot of those blowouts, but you also saw some upsets in the first couple of rounds. Where would you put you know? Because you work with young women who are already committing to some of these Division One programs. You know, you trying you trying to you you you're about to be on that way to try to try to try to corner your market in the state of Wisconsin. Where, what's your reaction? <laughs> kind of criticism about this gap between UConn and others in 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 some of these other teams that you kind of see uh happening in this tournament
3: yeah I think um uh, well, well I would say this year I think the gap at the top is a little bit tighter than it has been in the past um but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is uh, is a culture thing um and UConn has a culture where there is an expectation that um and what I found is that, and I think more in the women's game than in the men's game, um, and it's one of the reasons why I coach women instead of coaching men, is men are hard-headed. Um, they think they <laughs> – they think that, but it's true. As athletes, they, they have a mentality that they know, right? Like, you know, I always use the example. Um, you know, I worked in a middle school, and I was watching these kids play on the playground. They're hooping on the playground. They Sixth grade boys, and one of the guys, you know, uh, is playing defense, and I'm, I'm I'm giving him a few tips, and he's like, man, I ain't listening to you, you gonna have me falling out here, and my brother who was working at the school at the same time we was doing recess, dude, I turned to him and I was like, see, this is why I coach girls. He acting like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I could pull my resume out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I I do know a little bit about defending people. That kind of was one of my things. You know what I mean? But, hey, you you good, sixth grader, you good. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's one of the differences between men and women is that guys are hard-headed. And so you see upsets in the guys' game. And you're starting to see more upsets in the women's game. But I think that's still more coaching than it is on the players. What I've noticed coaching young women in particular is if – They go into a game, and the paper the day before said that the other team is better than them or the other team is supposed to win. You have to do a lot of work as a coach to undo that because they listen. They don't have their own paradigms in their head. And I think what UConn has done is they've created a paradigm, um, and that paradigm is you come here to be excellent and to be great. And if you are coming here for anything else, bye. Um, and you know, you hear you hear and read about the transfer rates in women's sports and in and college basketball in general with the millennial generation and how, you know, kids go a place and if it doesn't happen right away for them as an individual, then they wanna buck, they wanna leave, they wanna get out of Dodge. Um and I think at UConn where they have excelled where others have not and been able to sustain it is that they have a sustained cultural expectation that when you come here, you are going to figure it out, how to be great. And if you can't hack it, you're going to be out, and that's okay because we're going to get somebody else. We got another five-star coming in next year. He has the luxury of being able to do that. Um, not all coaches have the luxury of being able to do that. Um, but it, it, the it, with female athletes, it, it's, a very, it's more mental, I think, than physical with UConn and everybody else. And I think that culture plays a big part in it. Um, I think they come in with a 15-point advantage. Um, and teams are, I was watching them play earlier today against Quinnipiac, and it's like, yo, this. I, I, I told my daughter, I was like, man, this team is just playing not to get blown out. <laughs> they are not trying to win this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every decision they were making was just like, every kid was just like, let me not turn the ball over. I just don't want to be the one to turn it over. And that's how you kind, of, that, that mental weight that they bring into a game on top of their actual ability is what is what is is taking people down. Now, is that bad for the game? Absolutely not. Um, Success is never bad for the game. Dominance is never bad for the game. Dominance breeds competition, and eventually somebody's going to raise their level of play. Like you're watching Mississippi State, South Carolina, UCLA, Oregon. Um, Some of these other schools that are elite programs in the women's game are stepping up their level of competition and level of play. They're stepping up their recruiting and they're trying to build their own culture in a similar fashion. And as that becomes more of the norm, again, it's like the blueprint, right? Once you kind of come with the blueprint, then people copy that blueprint. Well, then you don't stand out as much. Obviously the first person to crack the code is, you know, is is going to have an advantage for a little bit. And then that advantage goes away. Things start to level off. Um, And you have the top tier of everybody kind of doing similar things and playing, um, at a high level. And then that starts to trickle down to the mid major level. Um, but it's still, it's still in this evolutionary process, uh, early stages of the evolutionary process of women's basketball. Um, the thing you're seeing now is the athletes are getting more athletic. Um, you're starting to see the same thing you see on the men's side with taller players starting to move out away from the basket, playing on the perimeter. Um, the range is starting to increase. Um, and so you're seeing all of that start to develop. And, again, as as you start to see uh, the numbers increase, you'll start to see the trickle down where mid-majors. And you have some mid-majors, like Central Michigan um, is doing well this year in the tournament. Buffalo, the women in Buffalo are doing well. They just won a Sweet 16 right. game. They just made it to the Sweet 16 today. Um, so you're starting to see some of those mid-majors creep up um, and and knock out some of these bigger programs. Um so it's getting there. And you know the thing that always
0: uh,
3: annoys me about that and I cuz I posted that article today about in the, the Forbes magazine um is that you know people talk about how do we sell women's athletics? Man, we use women to sell all types of stuff.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? They could
3: sell cars, you know what I mean? They could sell hamburgers. You look at a Carl's Jr. Hardy's commercial, but we can't eat figure out how to sell basketball or, 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 or soccer or whatever. It's, it's really just people aren't interested in it. And that's, that's whatever. That's just the place, you know, that's just whatever it is. You know what I mean? But let's not pretend like the games aren't exciting and the games aren't enjoyable. Um, you know, I find myself now uh, enjoying watching women play way more than sometimes I even like watching men, particularly college at the college level. If I'm going to watch men play, I'm going to watch pros. I'm going to watch the pros. I'm going to watch the yeah. best of the best. Um and it, a, a college women's game is just as entertaining to me as a college men's game. Um that's me. I mean I mean I mean I'm living it. I mean I I'm entrenched in it. This is this is my thing. This is what I do. So, um but yeah, I think UConn being UConn is great um uh, because somebody's going to take somebody. It's going they they are going to breed their own competition. You know, it's like it's like you know, to use a Star Wars reference, it's like the Force. Something has to bring balance to the Force, and that's what makes that's what's going to make it great, right? Something has to bring balance to it. You can't have Jedi if you don't have Sith, and it's got to be one or the other. You know, they both have to be there. And so Utah um, UConn's dominance is going to create another program that's going to want to challenge that, and you see it at all levels, whether it's high school. The pros. I mean, you look at the Golden State, and everybody, all Golden State's gonna win it. Well, I don't know. Houston looks really good. Toronto's changed everything that they're doing. You know what I mean? Like it, that greatness breeds greatness, and it forces everybody to raise their level of play and raise their competitive level. And so,
1: the rest of the uh, women's college basketball will catch up. That's why we call him the game changer. That's why we got getting back with the big show in the point guard seat reading us. That's why you gotta listen to hustle and flow. He dropping knowledge. I, I had Hank in the pick and roll. I had him spacing the floor. I was just on the bench hanging out. This is why I love what I do. This is great stuff. Um I'm loving it. We're gonna let Hank drop the mic. we gonna we're gonna let you finish at the rim, big fella. Take us home. All
2: right, well we had an extended version tonight. We had a real good good show. Uh a lot of basketball, a lot of knowledge, you know, game changer. Really glad to hear from you man and to be on the air with you again. Uh this season, this basketball season's been crazy. This tournament has been crazy, but it is not lost that is this been just so incredibly entertaining. Um we, we've always wanna root for the underdog and this year we had an opportunity to do so in many, many ways. And it's for a lot of people it's, it's a fantasy come true. This is why they call it March Madness. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to just enjoy it. Uh we don't even know who the champs are gonna be. We got a good idea, but I would be remiss if I didn't finish the night the way I started. And that'll do it. Good night.
3: These